This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, there's a lot happening in the Right From The Deep world, so here it is. First, I am super excited to be teaching at the West Coast Christian Writers Conference in February 25th through 27th. That's in 2021, next year. And it is going to be all online, so hooray, you don't need to spend money on a plane ticket. I will be doing two sessions, Podcasting to Build Your Platform and Did God Really Ask You to Write? So you can find out more information at westcoastchristianwriters.com. Of course, we want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon. We appreciate you guys so much and how you help us to do what God has tasked us to do here on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And a special thanks to our November sponsor of the month, Tammy Partlow. She is a writer and a speaker at women's retreats, and her book, Blood Beneath the Pines, is a tale of prevailing justice set mostly in the Deep South. You can learn more about Tammy at her website, Tammy Partlow. T-A-M-M-Y-P-A-R-T-L-O-W dot com. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. And now, here's Here's the the show. show. Welcome, listeners. Thanks for joining us in the deep today. So you might have noticed we do not live in an easy world. It's complicated. (laughs) It's difficult and frequently confusing. Most of us writers have busy lives too, right? We're not just trying to cope with things like, oh, say a global pandemic and natural disasters and, you know, a plague that Karen was telling me about today in Ethiopia. Um, Those are all hard. And on top of that, we're trying to deal with our daily responsibilities. We're trying to keep up with our family and our home and you got to clean and cook for people and fix stuff that breaks. And then we got our writing going, right? And marketing on top of that and trying to learn new things in our craft and probably also juggling some type of a day job. You know, that's just not an easy life. And I don't think God ever guaranteed us an easy life. However, we do find even when we feel grounded in God that we can get overwhelmed And when you get overwhelmed and you've got all this stuff going on and you're supposed to be endlessly and effortless, effort, effort, okay, see, I can't even say that word. I can't even (laughs) say effortlessly and effortlessly creative, you end up burned out. Right. You're supposed to be cheerful and competent and an example of God. And yet it's no wonder we end up feeling drained and exhausted and teetering on the edge of burnout if we're not already there. So today, we want to take time to talk about an antidote to burnout. We want to give you some tips to avoid burnout and help you stay creatively and spiritually fresh. There are a lot of tips. So we're going to be breaking this up into a series because you probably don't have time to listen to a three-hour podcast, and our throats would never survive doing a (laughs) three-hour podcast. So if you've got 800 things to do today, here's this one thing, listening to this podcast that we hope will help you with that. So let's talk about our first tip here for avoiding burnout. Stop rushing. 
Stop it. Right. Stop spending every day in one giant hurry to do everything. And okay, I know, I know you wanted this genius new strategy to somehow be able to do it all. But the very best thing we can tell you is to stop trying to do it all. I will never forget uh, sitting down with Alan Arnold once and he gave me a great piece of uh, advice. He said, do fewer things and do them well. And if you're able to take this to heart, you guys, this will change your life. You have to make a conscious decision about what's most important to you. And then you have to give things up. But that is very hard. And there's reasons why it's hard. First of all, it's hard because we're what Daniel Kahneman calls in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. He calls us loss averse. Okay, and to Mm. be loss averse means that in our minds, losses loom larger than gains. So Mm. we try to avoid losses. And when we do suffer a loss, it feels lousy. So now being way too busy and burned out, that also feels lousy, right? But it's something we know, and we'd rather clutch everything we have in our tight little hands (laughs) and feel lousy than suffer through something we perceive as a loss. In our minds, this was fascinating when I heard this. our minds, we actually weigh losses about twice as much as gains. So Hmm. how do we overcome this loss aversion? Well, first, it's helpful to know that we have it and to understand it. And we have to be able to tell ourselves, yes, brain, thank you very much for trying to protect me from loss. I know you're loss averse and this feels hard because of that. But dear brain, dear emotions, in reality, the gain of feeling better because I'm not rushing all the time is way better than you're giving it credit for. And the loss isn't going to be nearly as bad as you think, brain. We also need to recognize that women deal with this particularly, even more than men do. We, for some reason, especially women in the church, we think we should be able to do it all. We feel an obligation to do it all. We have a sense that if we can't do it all, we aren't strong in our faith, and that's just not true. Right. You need to learn how to think in terms of gains. Turn the question around in your mind if you have to give something up. What time can you gain in your day by stopping other activities? What emotional well-being will you gain by not having to rush around? And also, who are you keeping from doing what God has gifted them to do by taking on something that God didn't ask you to take on? Right. There are so many things that we need to take a serious look at in our lives and say, yes, I volunteered to do this and I said I would do it, but... I did that because I felt like, A, I needed to be the hero, B, no one else would do it if I didn't step up, C, and you fill in the blanks for what motivated you. Unless you took on a responsibility because God was saying, this is something I want you to do, you need to take a hard look at those other things and be willing to let them go. And then ask yourself, what will you gain in terms of outcomes if you have more time, energy, and focus for the fewer things you do? Definitely, you'll be doing those fewer things better. And by doing that, you can have a very important gain in that you will know that you've done your very best and your work will gain and improve because of it. 
Exactly. So the second reason why it's hard to do fewer things and do them well is that we don't know which things we should choose as those fewer things that we do. And that can only come through prayerful decision-making. Let me suggest that one of the fewer things you might choose to do is to spend more time with God, because the better you know Him and the better you understand who you are in Him, the more your identity and self-worth comes, not from the things you accomplish, but from the worth that God gives you and from simply enjoying him every day. God created us to enjoy him and glorify him. That is really the sum of it. We did a two-part series on hearing God way back in episodes 110 and 111, and I encourage you to go back and listen to those if you struggle with figuring out which of those fewer things you should be doing. The third reason it's hard to do fewer things is that we have trouble saying no. And again, women in particular in the church, we have trouble saying no. Even if we have managed to pare down our list of responsibilities and activities, we're still going to face constant challenges to that short list. Constant places and times when people say, do you think you could handle this? Especially writers, because people look at you and think, well, you don't have a real job, so you can do this. Right? You know, just, just know that you have to stick to your guns. There are always appeals for our time and our attention coming to us left and right multiple times a day. Church nursery puts out a call for volunteers. I can't tell you how many times people in our church said to me, you don't have kids, so why don't you come serve in the nursery? And I'm thinking, I don't have kids, but I have dogs. And if you want me to serve in the nursery, you need to get some crates because that's how I deal with my dogs when they misbehave. They'll go in a crate. So no, I didn't serve in the nursery just because I didn't have kids. Or some local cause you believe in needs help, or you get an invitation to speak somewhere. You know, there are so many things. I think many of you know about the fires that have ravaged out in the West, and our area in Southern Oregon was hit especially hard. Two communities just a few miles south of where we live were leveled. Everything is reduced to ashes. You drive through and it looks like a nuclear bomb dropped. And there are so many efforts and things being done to gather donations and to help people who've been displaced. And I look at that and I keep thinking in my head, I need to be involved in this, but then I have to stop. Yes, those are great causes. And yes, there are things I can do, but I submit that to God. And every single time that I've submitted it to him, there's a check in my spirit that there are other things I need to be focusing on. So I pray for them. And that's what I do. I pray for them. And that's the most powerful thing I can do. And I keep I keep putting things into a bag or into bags to give for donations when the time is right. But I can't take on responsibilities just because my brain tells me this is worthwhile. Right, right. So sometimes there are some reasons, obviously, why we have trouble saying no. Um, and sometimes we have trouble saying no because we feel guilty if we say no. Here's the thing about that. Guilt, that is never from God. Conviction is from God, but not guilt. Guilt is a tool of the enemy. And often, guys, it's tied to our insecurities. So again, this gives you another good reason to make sure one of those fewer things that you do choose to do is to continue to grow in your relationship with God. You know, sometimes it's simply deep down that we want people to like us. I mean, who doesn't want to be liked? And we're afraid that they won't like us if we say no. When we agree to do something on that basis, it amounts to valuing others' opinions over our own and, more important, over God's. 
We don't think of it in this way, but it is in essence idolatry. So ask yourself, am I saying yes, because I don't want to deal with this person's reaction to my saying no. Right. And a couple other reasons why we have trouble saying no, among the other things we've already talked about. Sometimes we just have a fear of missing out on something fun, right? Or something we'd enjoy. And that's worth considering. But we have to consider that decision in light of the other decisions we've already made. When you try to make a decision in isolation, like, um, hey, do you want to join a friend on a weekend road trip? Well, okay, that sounds like a no-brainer. Yes, I do. (laughs) But if you line up all the other things that you've prayed about, the things you know are the few things you've chosen to do and do well, and you realize that every time you go on that road trip, you don't sleep, and then it takes several days to recover, then you can ask yourself, can you still do those things that are important to you? Can you still do them well? And how important would this road trip be when compared to those other few things you've chosen? And what is the recovery from this road trip going to cost in terms of time and ability to show those other things I've chosen? And guys, sometimes it's going to be totally worth the cost and that's okay, but sometimes it isn't. The point is that you cannot make an informed decision in isolation. So you have got to put all of those responsibilities together and think about them as a whole when you're trying to make a decision about a new thing that somebody asks you to do. You know, sometimes it's hard to say no just because it feels so final. Like that no means never. Sometimes it should mean that, but sometimes, you know what, it only means not right now. Consider the season of life you're in. At this point, as you're praying through the decision, whether to say yes or no to something else, some things will make sense, and some will make sense to just be put on the back burner, like when the kids are off in college, (laughs) or when chaos ends, which, you know, is like never, but put it on that back burner and just wait until God nudges you. You'll know when that happens and when it's time to say yes to that. Don't be afraid to have a someday maybe category in your mind. Make that into a list of things you've written down and that you evaluate, maybe yearly or quarterly or whatever. These few things that you choose to do now aren't written in stone. Not ever. Right. The bottom line with all of this is that we are limited creatures and we have limited time to walk this earth. We cannot say yes to everything. In fact, we are going to have to say no a whole lot more often than we can say yes. I heard a great quote, um, and it was, I can't remember who said this, it was, One yes must be defended by a thousand no's. And so I love that because it's true. So one of the best tips we can give you for avoiding burnout is to get very good at saying no. And don't don't make any mistake about this, guys. Saying no, it takes courage, it takes practice, and it takes prayer. Okay, so let's practice it right now. Wherever you are as you're listening to this podcast, get ready all together now. No. No. (laughs) No. Okay, very good. We talked at the beginning of the podcast about the need to stop rushing and to do fewer things to help avoid burnout. But there's another aspect of this whole idea of not rushing, and that's to stop rushing in your writing career. Yes, we all want to finish that book or get that series finished or get that agent or do whatever it is that we want to do. Get those sales, get on that bestseller title list. And we want to do it now. We want it to happen now. Or if not right now, then as soon as possible. This mentality is so tempting for writers. But the problem is being in a hurry to get somewhere else makes us discontent 
with the here and now on our journey. That makes it impossible to enjoy this path and all the things that we will encounter that God has set up for us. You know, we did a whole podcast about the dangers of discontent. That's episode 94. So if this is something you struggle with, I encourage you to check out that podcast. I heard someone say something the other day, and it went something like, yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery. (laughs) And I love that because it's true. Yesterday is done. Tomorrow, who knows? But what we have is right now. And if we can't enjoy right now, it's like we can never be happy. And if we're only going to be happy when we hit some specific milestone, the trouble is that happiness is short-lived because there's always another milestone. And that thing we want always comes with its own challenges and difficulties. We're never going to arrive at bliss until we die and go to heaven. So we, we can't keep saying tomorrow or when this happens then when this happens then. So how do you do this? How do you stop rushing in your writing career? Well, by taking pleasure in the simple fact that we're on the path God has for us. And our job on that path is to glorify him and delight in him on the path right now, not somewhere down the road. What can you thank God for right now? Think about it. What can you glorify him for right in this moment? What lessons does he have for you in the here and now that you can only learn by being fully present? Maybe you're in a great place or maybe you're in a lousy place, but whatever place you're in, it's the place God has you. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why patience and self-control are fruits of the Spirit. How can you cultivate a Christ-mindedness and a Christ-likeness here in this particular place on your journey? How do you do that right now, regardless of what the circumstances are? And when you're thinking about improving your writing craft and marketing and everything else that goes along with it, remember, you don't have to rush to learn everything right now. It's going to feel overwhelming, okay? I'm working on an edit for somebody right now, and I'm praying for this person because we all know, guys, if you've been edited, you know it can be overwhelming and you feel like you have to fix it all right now, but you don't. Chew on it. Absorb it. Implement these new things that you're learning. Living our lives at this top speed is stressful. We don't see any of the scenery. And guys, the scenery is beautiful. Instead Mm -hmm. of racking up milestones, we need to value faithfulness and value diligence and value sowing well so we can reap in the proper time. And that, that doesn't mean that we can never look forward to a harvest, but it means that you don't put so much focus on rewards down the road that you fail to reward your own hard work that you're doing right now. You know, all work, but our work as writers is God-given. Even when everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve the job of caretaking, of working there. Work is good. And yes, we live in a fallen world filled with futility, but our work with God, our creating with him, our imitating him, our delighting in him every day as we're faithful to little tasks is still meant to be fulfilling now while we're here on the earth. Right. You don't need to rush. You don't need to stress to write 5,000 words a day when 500 words a day or maybe 50 That's still going to get the book written, guys. It still will happen. Pray about how much time you should be writing and doing these other writing-related tasks and be satisfied with the speed limit God gives you. It's fine, I promise, because it's your speed. 
is not your neighbor's speed. It's not your critique partner's speed. It's not that latest new best-selling author's speed. And it's not that person who wrote, you know, their book in 30 years. It's not her speed either. Your perfect God-given speed, that's the one that you want. I think all the time about the fact that we look at that verse that says, love your neighbors as yourself, and we focus on the love your neighbors. But we're supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so if you are struggling with this idea of slowing down and not rushing, if you're struggling with the idea of trusting God's timing, if you're struggling with the idea of saying no to things that you want to do, but are maybe not what God is calling you to do, remember you have to treat yourself well. You have to love yourself enough to do for yourself what you would do for a good friend, what you would do for your child, what you would do for your spouse. Most of us, if we treated those around us the way that we treated ourselves, they wouldn't like us very much because we'd be saying bad things to them and making them work hours that are unreasonable, and they'd consider us a tyrant. Don't be a tyrant. Give yourself a break, folks. Give yourself a break. God didn't give you this task to work you over into exhaustion, to burn you out, and to leave you without anything. He gave you this task, not because he needs you to do it, but to bless you, to draw you into his creativity, to draw you to his side so that you can savor this time with him as he creates through you. Give yourself a break. Love yourself. Know that you're in the center of God's will. And when you're in that place, you're not ahead and you're not behind. You're right exactly where you need to be with no reason to rush anywhere. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.